from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 28 beginning in verse 18 and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age and now reading from the book of Acts, beginning chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who came with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord.
Do you all remember doing show and tell in school? You all remember doing that? That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> well, at the beginning of each school year, uh, in elementary school, uh, my kids would do something. They had this special assignment. They had to put together a me bag. And before they put it together, they had to fill out this questionnaire that would help them determine what they were going to put in their bag. They would answer questions like, what's your favorite activity? Uh, what's something special that you like to do with your family? What's one of your favorite memories from this summer? And they would find an object that correlated with the answers to these questions, and that's what they would show. That's what they would put in this bag. So it's a longer version of show and tell. And of course, this activity was great for teachers because it helped them get to know their students, the things that their students are interested in and care about. But it was also helpful for the students as well because they got to know what was important to their classmates. They got to maybe make a connection that they hadn't made with them before. And it was really fun for the kids because they got to share the things that are really important to them in their own voice. So, since the 1st of September, we've been working our way through a sermon series called Why Church? And when we think of the word church as a verb, we place emphasis on putting faith into action and, and developing practices. So we've answered the questions, why church, why worship, why serve, and why give? And we're interested in what it means to live and act as the church here and now. Today, we'll answer the question, why tell? And we really need to figure out what we're telling, what it is that we're talking about. So what is it that we are telling people about? Simply put, it's the gospel, which is the good news. And the good news is that through Jesus Christ, God is restoring, renewing, and making all things whole. Through a relationship with Jesus and his church, we get a taste of that here and now. But a time is coming when evil will be overcome, wrongs will be made right, injustices will face justice. A time is coming when there will be no more pain, no more hunger, no more sickness or suffering, no more demons, and no more tears. This is what God wants for all of us. This is God's vision for the world, and it is good news for everyone. So why tell? Our text from the gospel according to Matthew shows us that Jesus tells us to do it. Because I said so is a good enough reason coming from Jesus, but thankfully we get a little bit more detail, right? Some of us need a little bit more than because I said so, right? So our text from the book of Acts has another reason for this question. Why tell? Because in the telling, God breaks down barriers between insiders and outsiders and shows us we're family. So our text from the gospel according to Matthew has been dubbed the Great Commission. I love that phrasing, co-mission. We are on a mission with God. And it's not just any mission, it's a great one. It's a great mission. And I've always found this text to be slightly amusing and a little bit frustrating all at the same time. And here's why. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. It's like, if all authority belongs to Jesus, why does he need us 
to go? Why can't he just wave a magic wand and make everything better? Why can't the promise of a restored creation and humanity be instantaneous? And why not now? And why does Jesus need us to go? Well, the way of God isn't force or coercion. It's partnership. And because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, he commissions his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. And he says, surely I am with you till the very end of the age. Jesus has all authority to do whatever is necessary, and he chooses to partner with us to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. For better or worse, God chooses to partner with us. And we can be confident because Jesus is with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. As I was thinking about this image this week, uh, I, I think about like this, this amazing, immaculate commercial kitchen. It, it has the best appliances. The, the fridge is, is stocked with the best ingredients, the most amazing truffles you could ever think of. Iberico ham, you know, all the things that you see on the Food Network that cost $1,000 an ounce, you know, like all the best ingredients are there in this kitchen. Everything is there. All the tools are there. All the resources are there. But you've got to make it. <laughs> but you're the one who's, who's got to put the meal together and, and, and feed the people. And that's kind of how I see what God is doing with us. In God, we have all of these resources. We have these amazing things at our disposal. But God is saying, okay, I've given you all that you need, and now I'm, I'm calling you to, to, to hone a skill. I'm calling you to, to, to learn what to do, and I want you to make the meal, and I want you to prepare it, and I want you to give it away to other people. How many of you have ever seen the show uh, Hell's Kitchen on TV with celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, it's a reality TV show where chefs compete against one another in this insanely intense environment where they actually provide dinner service for real guests in the show in a, a restaurant-type experience. And each one hopes to advance through these challenges so that they can be crowned the master chef and they get money and they get a job and it's a great thing. But along the way, Chef Ramsay torments and belittles the chefs as they compete and he makes their lives a living hell. I mean, truly, that's, that's why it's called Hell's Kitchen, because of him, because he's such a jerk. <laughs> so in this whole kitchen analogy, I'm grateful that Jesus is not Gordon Ramsay, right? <laughs> Jesus is cheering us on uh, to, to bring the kingdom uh, of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And it might seem a little obvious that Jesus isn't like Gordon Ramsay, but it's interesting how many people live with this sense of spiritual fear and anxiety, like God is out to get them if they mess up or if they make a bad decision. It's important to remember that Jesus is with us in this co-mission, and he's the best kind of partner that we could hope for. I want to take a closer look at our text in the book of Acts. The Acts chronicles the movement of the Holy Spirit in the early church and how their identity is formed as they grow. And this text in Acts is so important because it gives us some amazing clues about our question today. Why tell? And it also shapes some serious theological themes that are important to us as Christians. 
This story makes a whole lot more sense when we have an understanding of its cultural context. There are two main characters that are in the foreground of this story. We've got Peter and we've got Cornelius. Peter was born and raised in Israel, and he belonged to the people whom God made a covenant. Belonging to Israel, he is one of God's chosen people, and this shaped his entire identity. That identity began a few thousand years earlier when God made a promise to a man named Abram, who's later, who later became to be known as Abraham. And in Genesis 12, in the first book in our scriptures, God said, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The people were chosen to represent God's goodness and to be a blessing to all nations. There's a rich history of this chosenness and, and this representation that's displayed through fairness and justice, through welcoming the stranger, the immigrant, caring for widows and orphans, education and ritual purity that led to a longer and a healthier life. Centuries later, though, the people of Israel lost control of their homeland and they were sent into exile. The people had to gain this new understanding of their identity in foreign lands. Before, during, and after this exile, God sent prophets to challenge and to encourage the people. It was in those times of distress that God showed the people of Israel an expanding vision. A vision that would expand their light to the nations. And this vision would come to pass through a Messiah, through a Savior, through a promised one. Now let's fast forward several centuries. Jesus declared that he was that Messiah that the people of Israel were looking for. Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and he spent every waking moment for three and a half years with Jesus. Peter believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter didn't know what that meant exactly, and he wasn't sure how God's expanding vision for all the nations fit into this work of Jesus. But Jesus told him, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples that they should wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, on the day of Pentecost, when the gift of the Holy Spirit came upon these expectant followers of Jesus, some miraculous things happened, and 3,000 people were added to the life of the church, to this small community that became this robust church. And Peter even boldly declared that God's Spirit, as foretold by one of Israel's ancient prophets, Joel, would be poured out on all people, and the goodness of God would be known by everyone. Peter even re-emphasized that this gift was for everyone. But Peter forgot. Cornelius is the other main character in the foreground of this story. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. Uh, the people of Israel were under political and military occupation by the Roman Empire in the first century. And while the text says that Cornelius was a, a good, God-fearing man... It would have been extremely difficult in this cultural context for the people of Israel to really embrace a man like Cornelius, a military occupier in their homeland. So Peter and Cornelius, they both had visions from God, drawing them to each other. An angel of God came to Cornelius and told him to bring Peter to his home. 
And Peter had this kind of trippy vision, which had a provocative interpretation. Essentially, God told Peter that religious customs and practices never take priority over people because God sees no person as outside the bounds of acceptance and relationship. And when Cornelius' men, when, when they found Peter, Peter went with them to, to Cornelius' home. And it should be noted that both Peter and Cornelius were a bit apprehensive about this whole meeting. So a major thematic backdrop in the story has to do with, quote-unquote, insiders and outsiders. It's human nature to draw boundary lines, right? This is something we do all the time. We draw boundary lines between one another. And unfortunately, this happens all too often in religious circles. But God orchestrated this whole encounter between Peter and Cornelius. God knew that Peter needed something drastic to happen in order for his heart and his mind to be open to the quote-unquote outsider, Cornelius. And in this encounter, when Peter told the story of God to Cornelius, Peter realized that Cornelius wasn't really an outsider at all. Yes, he was different. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman one at that. But he was loved by God. And God desires to draw all people into a relationship with God's self. God's family knows no boundaries. Why tell? In the telling, God breaks down barriers between insiders and outsiders and shows us that we're family. Jesus is with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we are empowered to tell the good news of what God is doing in this world and what God will ultimately do to restore and redeem all of creation. A time is coming when there will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears, no more struggle, no more demons, no more tears. And this is what God wants for all of us. This is God's vision for the world, and it's good news for everyone. See, God moves in mysterious ways. And when we share what we have and who we are, we put ourselves in position to make an impact that could change the course of someone's life, just like Peter with Cornelius. That's why we tell. There is so much pain in this world. There is so much. We feel it ourselves. All you have to do is open a news feed or turn on the television and you can see and feel the pain that exists in this world. And many of us don't even have to look beyond our own lives, beyond the last 12 hours. There is pain that exists and that is real. We know that we need acceptance, that we need belonging. We know how important it is to know that we're part of a family that cares about us. When we express this, this sense of belonging, affirming someone's worth and value in the community, we know how powerful that is, how powerful that can be. I wonder what it would look like if we all had our own virtual uh, show-and-tell bags. What if we had our own show-and-tell bags ready at any moment? If we, if we grasped the story... What if we took some time to, to really think about and to develop our own stories? What if we could articulate what it means to belong 
to God? What if we could explain why we're Christians in compelling ways? And just as importantly, what if we were in tune with God's spirit so that we could show and demonstrate that everyone belongs in God's family, that the categories of insider and outsider do not apply? By the way, when you contemplate these questions and when you prepare your own virtual show and tell bag, it builds your faith and it builds your sense of empathy because as as, as you grow and reflect on these things, you remember God's goodness in your own life. And when you remember God's goodness in your own life, it helps you turn that back out to other people as well. It's a beautiful thing about doing this as a practice. And being in tune with God's spirit, it requires that we listen, right? To the spirit, to the people around us. We need to listen to both the spirit and the people around us. In order to have the right to speak, we must listen first. It's possible that God might be stirring your heart right now for a particular person who is quote-unquote an outsider or for a group of people who are quote-unquote outsiders. It's critical that we listen first. Allow them to show and tell you what's important to them. When you have conversations with outsiders, let them tell you what they care about. Let them show you what they care about. Listening leads to understanding, which leads to knowing. And when you know someone, there is no them or other. There is only us. Do you believe Christ is with you? Do you believe that God wants to partner with you to have conversations that you weren't expecting what's in your me bag what do you want to show and tell as the ushers come forward to receive oh no not yet I'm just priming the pump, that's all. Oh God. 
In preparation for our time of prayer today, I invite you to open.